Hey, everybody, this is Eric Gould, and this is Tech View Now. Today I have on the line Steve Perry. Steve is my type of photographer. He goes out into the wilderness, into the woods, and captures awesome landscape and wildlife images. The one thing I can tell you for certain, if you're in Manhattan taking photos, you're not going to run into Steve. So, Steve, you're this famous photographer. You've won all these awards. How did this all begin with you? How did you get the the photo bug? I got it way, way, way back when. I was actually it's a it's a result of my mother not wanting me to shoot small animals. <laughs> Believe it or not, here's how that here's how the story goes. All right, um, mm-hmm. she was afraid I was going to be bringing home little little dead squirrels and things. Um, I had a good friend, and I love being outdoors. Mm-hmm. A good friend, and he was a hunter. So we thought, so you know. We would hang out, and he would tell me all his, you know, hunting tales. And he was about the same age, and uh, I was, I think we were about ten years old at the time. So I mean, he, he was, you know, his expertise is limited to squirrel hunting. His dad wasn't taking him out for deer or anything. And I was like, well, that kind of sounds like fun. So I start talking about it a little bit more around the dinner table every night. And uh, you can, see, you know, my dad was, you know, okay with it. My mom, I could, you just tell, didn't want to be bringing little dead animals home. And. Uh, uh, and my mom one night, I guess she told my dad, she says, is there any way you can get him to go outside and do something that doesn't involve shooting things? <laughs> and, uh, he, right. and he was like, well, you know, he, he likes to take, you know, he's always bugging me about my camera. My dad had won a Minolta, oh, what was it, an X570 or 500? Oh, I can't my. remember the exact model. Yeah, wait, this how, yeah, this how, this how long ago this was. Uh-huh. And uh, I was absolutely enthralled with that camera he would let me touch it and that was you know <laughs> i was 10 and i don't blame him which would so, make you want to use it even more right which right exactly you know you go in i'd sneak a, you know look at the closet of the camera and uh so anyhow uh time went on a little bit and i ended up uh they ended up getting me a used a very used uh pentax me super and uh, went out and took pictures of some deer with the 50-millimeter lens that came on it, decided that's not going to work, and, you know, birthday money and allowances got saved, and uh, a little help from mom and dad there, and pretty soon I had a, a J.C. JCPenney uh, zoom lens, wow. and I was out there doing, you know, really poor-quality wildlife photography, but I was loving it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing in those early days I'm very proud of. Um, <laughs> well, but uh, you know, it got me started, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, we would go out almost every weekend, uh, driving around the local park and hiking around the local park, looking for deer and things like that. Uh, yeah, I thought that. Yeah, back then, you know, I'm like a lot of photographers probably are today. You know, I was just happy. You know, when you first start now, just to get a sharp picture or something. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, oh my gosh, look, it's not blurry, and it's exposed, mm-hmm. and you know, all that kind of stuff. I went to the library, got a ton of books Mm -hmm. on photography Yeah, because back then we didn't know what the internet was and, uh, you know, kind of self-taught myself how to do it, you know, as a teenager and, uh, uh, I've been doing it ever since. So somehow at some point in time, people started buying your images or, uh, where did that Yeah. I don't know what's wrong with them. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Fortunately, I've come across a lot of people with really low standards. So they'll, Mm -hmm. they, they, they jump in and grab those images. But uh, yeah, they, uh, I've had people buy them, and yeah, we have people buying images and stuff. And uh, for a while, I was entering uh, photo contests. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a little intern yeah, uh, please. thing here that happened, though, because I thought, because uh, I think this is kind of valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first started doing photography, mm-hmm. I thought I liked photography. Okay, and I thought I liked the cameras and the lenses and the gear. Okay, mm-hmm. and so I would go out and uh, I was shooting with that, and then. 
I, I, I discovered that it's really, really hard to make money selling nature photos. Really? Back then. <laughs> yeah. I know. Oh, it was it, a talk to me, too. Yeah. You know, I'm like, at this point, I'm like 20-ish years old or so. Uh-huh. And I think, oh, I'm going to be a nature photographer. You know, and I'm out there. You know, I'm, and I, at that point, I'm actually getting some images. I'm getting a few things published here and there. I'm working at Photo Labs to pay the actual bills. And, you know, every now and then I get a little magazine. I'm like, oh, look, I got in there. Um, but as time went on, I was like, well, oh, this is really hard. And I'm like, I'm watching these wedding photographers and portrait photographers come in, develop their film. I'm like, wow, these guys have like actual income from <laughs> from this. And, you know, what's the difference between weddings and, you know, and wildlife? You know, they're all wild, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, especially once I get a, little, a few beers in them. So I started doing weddings. I started doing portraits. Completely, utterly burnt out. Really? After okay. about, I don't know, six or seven years doing that. Set down the camera. Didn't even pick up a camera for two or three years. I was just done. Wow. I was just done. And uh, then my wife and I went out to Las Vegas for a convention for uh, our other business. And uh, went out there and we were like, okay, you know, let's go to Valley of Fire. We had a little cheap digital camera. And I'm out there. I'm taking pictures. And I'm like you know what? This is actually fun. <laughs> so the lesson there is that, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, what I discovered personally, anyhow, is that it isn't so much that I like playing with cameras. It's that I like being outside and, uh, and sharing that experience with people. That's what it really boils down to. And, uh, that's when I started getting serious about nature photography again. And that was, that was about seven or eight years ago, uh, maybe nine years ago at this point, maybe a decade now when I got back into nature photography and, uh, from there, it's just, I, I was entering contests and selling stuff here and there. And, uh, um, and it's all kind of evolved, uh, from that point. And I started doing educational stuff. Yeah. I, at first it started off as more or less just, a well, there's a lot of people that just don't know this stuff. I'm going to put something out on YouTube or I'm on message boards. So I'll make this video and I'll just throw it up. And so it's like, Oh my gosh, I get sick of answering the same question over and over. Look here, I made a video or I wrote an article, you know, read that. And, uh, and I found that people were really, really, you know, excited about that. And I'll be honest, uh, at this point, that's where my, that, that, that's where my income comes from is the educational stuff. Helping I other saw, people I learn about photography. To, yeah. Helping other people learn. About, and honestly, I enjoy it way more than I do. I mean, it's always fun. It's still fun to get stuff in, uh, magazines and publications, mm-hmm. the national fish and wildlife Federation. Actually, I just recently got a, their annual report that they used uh, four or five of my images and, you know, nice big full page spreads. It looks beautiful. It's always fun to see stuff like that. It's always fun to see your stuff in there. I think last year or a year before, you know, I mean, I had stuff in backpacker magazine and, mm-hmm. um, Congratulations. And I, um, yeah, I've had it in there. Uh, Lake Superior Magazine. Basically, though, it's funny because my wife, my wife thinks that outdoor photographer is another one. I'm just now I'm thinking of National Wildlife has had some of my stuff in there. Um, it's funny though at this point now my wife thinks it's funny because I used to like beg these magazines to publish my stuff and now they come to me. <laughs> it's like oh, this is kind of cool, but there's not there's just not enough money between that and some prints to really make a good living at least not for me. And you know you're struggling a little bit with that, but. You know, what I really found is I really enjoy, like, showing people how, how it's done. There's a lot of satisfaction to that. And yeah, and that's uh, that's where my focus has been for the last uh, two three years and will continue to be so for the foreseeable future because it just, it's, uh, you know, it, it's very enjoyable to go out and, you know, be able to help people do this. And the, and the audience is good. I like talking and dealing with other photographers because my wife does, is not a photographer, so mm-hmm. she, gets, she gets tired of hearing me talk about 
cameras and lenses and all that crap. So she, after a while, she's like, can't you find someone? Can't you find a friend? <laughs> yeah. so. Well, well, you're better than me because I just have given up completely the, of having that type of conversation at home. But, the, <laughs> but fortunately, you're really good at communicating the technical aspects of photography and helping other people Thank learn you. from it. Uh, and so recently you've done this new book, but this is not your first book. The new book is about mm-hmm. focusing specifically on how to get your pictures in focus. Yeah, secrets to the Nikon autofocus system. Yep. I would never have thought that this was such a big pain point for people. Uh, but obviously you've been hearing from people and you decided to go out. Oh, my and gosh. Try- yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that book is uh, that, that that book is a monster. Um, not in a bad way, though. Well, four hundred and forty pages. Yeah, uh, actually, it's like almost four sixty. Oh my! But okay. it's uh, yeah, it's yeah, it, it's huge. It's huge. But th- people hear that and they're like, "Oh my gosh, that's too much! I don't want to be that in depth." It's like, but you have to remember that over half the book can apply to every camera and and just you know every photographer. There is just a lot of information there on. It's not just how the Nikon autofocus system works. The first few chapters are very are completely Nikon specific. We you know talk about you know autofocus, you know servo modes and dynamic modes and lock view and all that kind of stuff and custom settings and you know cool control setups that you can do. But then it kind of goes beyond that and starts talking about how the autofocus system works. And uh, we also look at you know troubleshooting and you know all sorts of techniques that you can use to get sharper photos. Uh, yeah, I almost wonder if I misnamed the book, to be honest. It should be like, you know, how to get sharp photos, not just, you know, Nikon autofocus system, because it's Nikon autofocus system. That part of it is probably about half of it. And the other half focuses on getting sharp photos, figuring out why you're not getting sharp photos and how to take care of that, and, you know, things of that nature. So that's, uh, but yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's it, it, it's a big book, but I have gotten just so much positive feedback. I'm overwhelmed by it. I tell you, people, and every time I post a video or something's posted about me, it's it's really rewarding to look at those threads and see, oh, I got his Nikon book. It's great. I love it. You know, et cetera, et cetera. So that was, uh, I, I'm real, real happy with that book. <laughs> well, and you sold, I think, tens of thousands of copies already, which is amazing. All right, well, not tens of thousands. To be honest, tens of thousands would be great, but I have sold thousands of them. I think we've, we launched it uh, less than a month ago, and we're, we've sold, I think, close to 5,000 of them. Well, congratulations. That's a big number. Yeah, thank you. That online on that yeah. so what was the first i mean what what if we if we're looking at i'm a, I'm a photographer and i'm thinking about mm-hmm. my camera uh, I, I would think that you know i press down the button the camera's a computer and the camera should figure out exactly what to do to put a fo- picture in focus so it, there must be other things going on that that people are finding that you needed to solve in order to create this book Oh yeah, there's a there, there's a ton of stuff. I, I mean, it's a daily occurrence in my inbox. You know what I mean? It's some, you know, I was getting uh, just so many questions. You know, as far as like, okay, you know, I'm trying to shoot birds, but I'm uh, I'm in AFS. I'm in single I'm in single point mode, and I'm shooting AFS, and I can't get sharp birds in flight. What's happening? Is my camera broken? The problem is, is the cameras are very smart. Like you say, there's a computer in there. It kind of knows what to do, but it doesn't. It it still doesn't take the place of the photographer. Uh, the autofocus system, you know, even, you know, they have automatic modes, they have scene recognition and all this stuff. But if you really want to take control of that, because the camera does an okay job, and it does an okay job, maybe, you know, even if you put it on, you know, full auto, maybe, you know, 75% of the time. But there's a lot of photographers out there that don't want to have one in four shots that are subpar. 
And that's who this book is for. Uh, you know, when are you supposed to use things like dynamic mode and which dynamic mode should you use? And when is group AF better than dynamic mode? And when should you be in continuous versus single servo? And, you know, all those types of questions. And, you know, what's the, you know, and the book goes beyond just that, though. It also talks about, you know, the big advantages to using these and techniques for getting the most out of these various AF modes. So if you're in group AF, you know, what can you expect it to do? What are the, you know, what are the behaviors and where, what are the strong points? What are the weak points? What are some situations where group AF is a good choice? Where, what are other situations where it's a bad choice? One of the examples I use in the book for that is group AF likes to focus on whatever is closest. And, you know, I have a picture, I think in the book of a bear out in a field in Yellowstone. And there's a bunch of grass kind of poking up around him. And in a situation like that, Group AF has, has a tendency to focus on that grass instead of the bear. So, you know, Group AF works really well for some things, but not for that. You know, and that it's like, okay, single point's better or dynamic's better where it can kind of poke through that grass and not get, not get all hung up on it. So, it's, you know, it's knowing those subtleties between the different, uh, the different modes and that, that really gives you the edge out in the field there. And that's, what the, and that's really what the book's about. You know, and even things like, you know, if you're using a, uh, a line sensor and it explains there's been cross sensors and line sensors and things like that. But, you know, how to map out which sensors in your camera are line ones, which ones are cross sensors. It's a very easy way to do that. And it shows in the book how to do it. And, you know, and if you are having a line sensor that's having a hard time, you know, flip the camera the other orientation and a lot of times it locks on. So, I mean, it's just it's loaded with uh, all sorts of tricks like that. Well, for somebody, I mean, you've used a lot of terms there that for the beginning photographer is not aware of at all. In fact, in my beginner's classes, uh, I have people who come up to me and the, the camera is in auto mode and it's auto, mm -hmm. everything's completely auto. And the first mm -hmm. thing, the first thing that we do is we, we kind of discover uh, that there's auto, there's focus points on the camera, that the camera can focus in, in right. different, different ways. And one question I always get, it's always somebody who's a little bit older in the crowd who talks to me and says, well, can't I just put the focus point in the middle and then reframe? So tell me how you deal with that situation and that question. Yeah, that's, and, that, and honestly, that's probably one of the biggest things that people do when they're first starting out is they, they, they don't touch any of it. And they just, like you say, put it in auto, they put it right in the middle there and then just, and then just recompose. But there's, yeah, there's a couple of issues with that. Um, there's a couple of advantages to that, too, though, of course. Uh, the, we'll start with those, I guess. The center AF point is, tends to be the most sensitive, and it's in the best placement for the, P, uh, for the phase detection autofocus system, the system that you use when you're the autofocus system you use when you're looking through the viewfinder. So, you know, you do have some advantage there. Um, so, and a lot of times I tell people if the light's dim and you're having a hard time getting a lock and you're using one of those outer sensors, flip to the center sensor. A lot of times it'll get a lock when the other ones won't. But... Like you say, so many times people will do it for everything, and that's not necessarily good either. You know, the time it takes to recompose, a lot of times you end up missing shots. Um, in some cases, depending on if, what the uh, maximum f-stop of the lens is, if you have something like a 85-1.4, 85-millimeter lens f-1.4, and you're doing portraits and you're going for that real shallow depth of field, actually focusing with the center point and then recomposing can subtly knock the eye out of focus and that's yeah, because of the, you're focusing on mm -hmm. and let me just cut just you off because the, that little tiny yeah little tiny difference in uh, distance there there you go can, okay. uh, yeah yeah and it's just that little bit of dis difference you have in distance 
between where the camera was pointed uh, when you focused and when you moved it down to uh, to recompose. Plus, there's a you know there's a um, like the compositional aspects of it that I tell people. It's like you know the problem with the center is when people use the center point all the time, they tend to put the main part of their subject under the you know their, their main subject tends to be in the center, and you know. After a while, that gets kind of tedious, and yeah, I mean, you go to any photography or art class, they'll tell you the first thing you the first thing you learn in composition is you don't you know try to avoid centering your subject. You know, make the comp- use maybe something like a rule of thirds or uh, you know golden ratio or whatever you know your compositional guideline choices there. But you know what I do with uh, with that situation is I tell people when you're out there, go ahead and make a composition the viewfinder that looks good. And then just move your AF point to where you want the focus to be. So, you know, a lot of times if I'm doing wildlife, of course, uh, you know, I want to be on the eye. You know, always, with wildlife, you always want the eye sharper. Nothing else is sharp, it's fine. But if that eye's not sharp, I tell people, you know, it's a throwaway. But, you know, you go in there and you, I, I set up the composition and I'll move that AF point right to the eye. But first I set up the composition, then I move the, the, uh, the autofocus point. Because when you don't do it that way, you tend to stick with that eye. And if the eye is in the center... Or the, I'm sorry, if the autofocus points in the center, and then the eye of the animal is always going to be in the center of the frame right along with it, especially if it's in motion. So you want to use those AF points for composition. It's something I go over in the book, but yeah, I think it's a, and I actually, with this book and my first one, the wildlife book, uh, I tell people, you know, use those, uh, you know, compose first, then move your autofocus point in the position. And if you can't get it exact, just get it close to your, the amount of focus and recompose is, is minimal, but, uh, but that's what, but anyhow, that's yeah, that's my advice for people who are kind of stuck in the middle to kind of encourage them to explore other areas of the uh, the viewfinder there. Absolutely. Hey, another great question that I get all the time is, what's the difference between c- continuous and constant, and, and how they work together? What's your answer for that? What's a, imagine somebody just starting out. They've never even heard of the idea of servo mode or one of these, you know, continuous focus. Uh, how would you describe that mode, and, and what applications would people use? Oh yeah, in that? yeah, that's yeah. It, uh, that one is something that trips people up, and I have a story in the book. I'm going to relate it to you right now because I think it's a great one. Please. Uh, I was in Florida, uh, and I was taking pictures of some birds that were coming in for their evening roost. I think they were spoonbills or something, and I was shooting pictures of them as they were swooping in. And, you know, I'm just rattling off 10 frames a second. And there's a guy behind me, and he says, hey, he says, you know, he says, how do you, he says, do you get sharp pictures doing that? And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) You know, he says, well, he says, you know, he says, I don't know if there's something wrong with my camera. He says, whenever I do that, he says, I end up, he says, I never get a sharp photo. He says, I can get sharp photos all the time when the birds are standing still. But he says, as soon as they're flying, he says, I can never get a sharp photo. Hmm. I said, well, you know, let me see. He says, "Uh, and, and the bird's coming in, and I hear his camera chirp, and he takes a picture, and I knew exactly what was wrong. Um, the only time a camera will beep like that to confirm focus is when the camera is in autofocus uh, AFS, auto, uh, single points, mm-hmm. single shot AF, uh, single servo AF, which basically what that does is it's designed as a focus and recompose mechanism. When it's designed to lock onto the target, and then you just kind of keep a half press on that shutter release, then you can recompose, and the camera won't refocus. But the problem with that is that it's terrible. It can't track motion because as soon as it focuses and locks that in, the subject flies, in this case, flies. Sometimes they walk uh, completely out of focus. 
So you never end up with a sharp photo. On the other hand, this is where that uh, continuous servo comes in, mm-hmm. as opposed to single servo. The continuous servo will continually try to focus on the subject as it's flying or walking towards you so that you don't end up in a situation where the, the, where the subject's out of focus, you know, because the camera locked focus four feet behind it like it would with, uh, with AFS. Mm-hmm. So that's the, you know, that's the biggest difference. Continuous is for moving subjects, and single is for... Uh, static subjects. And I, once I explained that to the gentleman, I said, here, I, I said, I think I know what's wrong. Try, are you on, you know, I said, let me see your camera. So here, try, try it this way. And all of a sudden he's getting all these people. He's looking at me. He says, oh my gosh, thank you. That worked. You changed his world. <laughs> I changed it. He says, thank you. He says, I have been doing this for a year. And he says, I've never been able to get a sharp thing. He says, I, I, he Good says, for you. Yeah. So, so, but that was, uh, but, but you know, I say it's, uh, once you understand, and I, the the book goes over that in all sorts of detail, but it yeah, I mean, the, the crux of it. of it really is simple. If you want, uh, if you're shooting action, go to AFC. If you're shooting static, go to AFS. Unless you're using back button autofocus. Oh, and, and that was a, all right. That, that's a different story, though, and that, that'll even make it more confusing. But uh, the, although the book goes over, and I have a video that they don't have, you don't have to pay a dime for over on mm-hmm. YouTube. It'll explain that one too. Well, do this because you led into exactly where I was going. Back button focusing is probably the most controversial you can or warlike topics in terms of focusing for the people who don't know what that is help me on this, describe it to folks okay uh, basically what we do with back button focusing is we separate the focus function from the uh, main shutter release button so usually Normally you, you press you're... exactly you press down the button a little bit it, right. it does it mm-hmm. right exactly exactly what we're doing is uh, we're actually, I tell people it's kind of like going back to the old way of doing it. Instead of focusing with your shutter release, we're focusing, we're taking the, we're removing the focus element from that and we're assigning it to a button on the back of the camera. And I tell people this is kind of similar to the way it was before autofocus came along. Because when you think about it, if you were using a manual focus film camera, what did the shutter release do? It did one thing. It took a picture and that's it. That's all it does. Uh, you had to actually focus that lens. Now, and you can even look at it as from like an autofocus servo or continuous uh, aspect too. So if I had a static person standing in front of me that wasn't moving, I would just focus on them and I would compose and then I would go ahead and press my shutter and release it. If I had somebody walking towards me, I would continuously focus on that person and release the shutter when I thought it was, when, they, when I thought they were sharp. But the, the key here is that autofocus and shutter release were not related at all. One had nothing to do with the other. And that's a back button autofocus brings us back to. And the difference seems kind of subtle on paper. Um, but what's really cool is um, back button autofocus gives you a huge advantage. And the biggest one is that we just talked about autofocus servo, uh, the, the, the single and continuous modes, and how if you're out there with single, you know, you're good for static subjects. And for continuous, you want error for action, you want continuous. The trick here is that sometimes you're dealing with subjects that are kind of moving both ways. So you have maybe a bird that's sitting on a limb, but he might take off. And you're trying to get static pictures, and then you're trying to go to flip immediately over to action. The problem with the traditional setup with the shutter release is that each time you – excuse me the, – the problem with the uh, traditional way of doing it with the shutter release is every time you want to change from static – to action, you got to flip the lever and go back to, you have to press the button in or, you know, however your camera's set up 
and goats from AFS to AFC, and you're going back and forth all the time. And while you're doing that, there's a good chance you're missing, you're missing shots. So what this does is we set it to AFC on a full-time basis. So basically the camera's always ready for action. Now, a lot of people sit here that and they say, well, wait a minute, what if I want to take a static shot? That's where the beauty of this is, is you basically you press the button on the back of the camera, the camera will focus on your subject, and then you take your thumb off that button and take your picture. You can recompose and take your picture because the camera is now set at a certain focus distance. Unless you refocus or the subject moves or you move locations, then the camera's going to, you know, that lens is set. If the subject is at 10 feet away, for instance, and I focus on them, and I release my autofocus on button or my, you know, whatever button I have on the back of the camera assigned for that. I release that. The, the lens is at 10 feet. The subject's at 10 feet. I can shoot all day. And as long as I don't bump the focus ring or something like that, the focus, uh, the subject's going to be sharp. Now, as soon as that subject moves to 9 feet or 11 feet, then I'm going to have to refocus. Now, one of the examples I use in my book is imagine you're taking a picture of a bird. And he's on a limb, and you go up there with your camera, and you focus on him. We'll say you're using back button focus. I can focus on his eye. I can recompose, and I can go ahead and take a picture. Now, if he decides to immediately take off, all I have to do is mash that button in on the back of the camera. And, now, and the camera is immediately focusing on him again. It's immediately tracking him. As soon as, you're, as soon as the focus is activated, tracking is activated when you're in AFC. Mm -hmm. So it gives you kind of the best of both worlds. I can shoot it as... I can shoot static subjects with it, but I have immediate access to action shots to autofocus continuous because that's basically the you know the camera or the mode that the camera is in all the time. Uh, I'm thinking that that was probably not the best explanation I've ever done, but like I say I have a video on YouTube that uses my graphics and uh, animations to show it, and he maybe explains it better than I did there. So I'll make sure that I include a link on that. Hey, I want to cover one more thing before we go. Uh, sure. So big things that we talked about so far, think about focusing, rethinking about focusing. One, of course, is look mm -hmm. at continuous, look at servo, uh, look at AF back button focus. And one of the sim most simplest things, and I love seeing this in the book, that we're both huge fans of using live view mm -hmm. for shooting static landscape images and the camera only way to fly yeah and help help us help me kind of describe why that's such a great thing to do so well I, there's a couple of reasons sure, that come please. to mind okay yeah yeah, yeah. Two, two, two main reasons come to mind the first is uh live view uses contrast detection af that comes right off the sensor so your accuracy with your focus is a little bit better. If you need pinpoint accuracy, ironically, with landscapes, we usually don't, but this really lets you dial in exactly where you want focus, and it could be anywhere in the viewfinder. If you're shooting a full-frame camera, and you, you've probably run into this yourself, you, you maybe compose a landscape in your viewfinder, and the spot that you want to focus on is like under the autofocus field. Yeah, there's not enough so dots in the corners, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, I need to be right. Below, I need to be right down here, but I can't reach it. So mm -hmm. that's where Live View comes in. That's one thing. But to me, the biggest benefit with Live View, and and I suppose this is arguable. Uh, it depends on you know your uh, the way you shoot, how you think, and all that. But I just like using it because I like to be able to see that image on the back of the camera. It's you know obviously you know you can look through the viewfinder, but the image on the back of the camera, you know, I can kind of step back and I can look at that, and it just seems like I am so much better able to tweak the composition and mm -hmm. make things look the way they should look when I'm looking, when I'm using live view. So I, that, that's, 
my main reason for using it. Plus, the other trick that I use with live view a lot of times is when I'm trying to come up with a composition initially when I'm out in the field, I will grab the camera and I'll flip on live view and I'll just walk around with it. Before you put it on the, the tripod, right? The screen. Yeah. Right before it ever goes on the tripod. I'm mm-hmm. walking around with it mm-hmm. and I just got a, I have a, a D750 I had to get for the book and uh, <laughs> I, was out, I was down to Smokies using that and, and a little flip out screen and mm-hmm. I had that up. I'm walking around. It was, I mean, it, that was great. But uh, I think for a compositional aid, and a lot of people kind of poo-poo that and dismiss that, but I tell you, what, I, for, for a long time, I wouldn't use Live View, and I would just use the viewfinder. And I swear my image quality went up when I started using Live View, just, be, just for, you know, not, the, not necessarily the sharpness or anything like that, but as far as the compositional quality of the images, just because, it's, to me, it's easier to see. The only downside, at least with Nikon, though, is that if it's kind of dark, Live View doesn't like to doesn't look so hot on the back of the camera, and sometimes it can struggle to focus a little bit. Um, the phase detection system in Nikon's tends to be a little more sensitive in dim light than the Live View one does. But uh, beyond that, yeah, for the most part, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm definitely for landscapes. It's almost always Live View. You do pay a penalty in battery, though. <laughs> oh, absolutely, but I think it's worth the price. Thank you, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I just carry a couple extra batteries. Not a big deal. But, yeah, no, that's uh, – yeah, for me, it's actually not so much of a focusing thing with Live View as it is a compositional aid. I, I just think it's so much easier to, to nail those compositions when you can kind of step back and kind of see the picture on the back of the camera. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And I used to think that not only can I see it, but I kind of blame it on watching too much TV as a kid. To me, I know what things well, look yeah. – yeah, and when you look, just there's just a whole different experience looking at the back of the camera going it forward. I even go a step further. I actually have an external monitor that I bring with me. Oh, wow. Because yeah. I think the back of the camera is too small. Okay, so now I'm gearing more gear and I'm doing stuff. But in the studio, uh, I have, you know, I love shooting with, with a, an external monitor to help me be able to see things. And now as I'm getting a little bit older, uh, the only problem with live view is now I have to carry a separate pair of glasses with me to be able to see it. Uh, yeah. So on that yeah. one. Now, see, I'm going to be carrying it. Now you got me thinking about an extra screen. <laughs> it, really, it really does make a difference, though. I say, oh, uh, it's, 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 it's great. It's, it's, it's just so wonderful on that way. Hey, Steve, uh, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I do want – so we will put plugs for your book on the uh, along with this. We will uh, also include links to the uh, videos that we have. Uh, give me a kind of a little – what's coming up next? What's going to happen? What's, what's next for you? I, you know, at this point, I'm just kind of taking a breath. <laughs> that book was a, uh, that, that book took, uh, the, it, it was been, it's been kind of like on and off for a little bit there, but then the uh, last four or five months have been really just, that, that's been the only thing, I mean, that's been the full-time job, basically. Uh, I mean, this is my full-time job, but that's the only part of the job I've been doing for the last four, four and a half months. So That book I've, took uh, four and a half months to write, huh? Or even longer? Yeah, yeah. That was writing. Yeah, well, it took a little longer than that, but yeah. Once I, there's always with with, with book projects. It seems like there's like a, uh, you know, the the, the phase where I'm kind of just picking at it a little bit and trying to see how it's flowing and how it's working, and then all of a sudden you kind of dive in and it's like, oh, this is all I'm doing, and I, I get completely. You can ask my wife. I get completely, utterly obsessed with it, and it's all I'm thinking about 24/7. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm literally working on the thing from the time I get up to the time I go to bed and uh every day and then uh, it finally comes together and it's like okay now we need a little decompression time <laughs> so but uh, yeah i'm not sure what's next i i put a poll out on my website actually asking my uh asking my readers what they thought i should do next so they're probably uh their say is going to have quite a bit of uh 
influence on the next decision, that's for sure. Are you finding, is there, are they leaning one way or the other? Or uh... now, I have a book uh, in mind that I think is probably going to win the contest, and it's, uh, I'm calling, right now it's got a working title of Field Techniques. I don't know if I like it or not yet. I'll have to decide if that title is going to stick or not. But uh, I do like the concept for the book. Basically, the idea is that you can go out, that, that this book will be written in a way that's, it, it's got like, uh, it'll have the story behind the photo. So, you know, basically what happened when I went out there, you know, what the weather was like, how I decided on the place, you know, what it was like to take the photo, what was happening, all the, you know, the background information. But in addition to that, it's also going to have, you know, how the, you know, the technical aspect of it too. So, you know, I went down to, you know, I went down to the lake, I scouted this location out. This is what I was thinking. I was scouting. These were the lenses. I was thinking, which way do I want to go with this? I came back in the evening. I checked where the sun position was going to be. So I came back later that day after looking at the weather and whatnot. And, you know, I set up the tripod, you know, in this particular way and I'm using this mode. Yeah. I'm using live view to, to set my composition. Uh, I, you know, use focus backing for this because, you know, the depth, you know, I want to have absolutely tack sharp, uh, an, ex, uh, an absolutely tack sharp image from front to back, and then you know all the all the little technical stuff and all the reasons you know why I sh- why I chose this shutter speed and why I chose this f stop and why I was using that you know this particular ISO and maybe even more importantly you know if I had it to do over what I might have done differently knowing what I know now, uh, so you know it's kind of a I guess one of the things that occurs to me it's kind of the guide I wish I would have had when I was starting out. You know, so many times, you know, people ask and they say, you know, I wish I, you know, I wish I knew your shutter speed and lens and all that stuff. But it's like, there's so much more to it than that. You know, just, know, you know, just copying the settings that I'm using for one particular waterfall uh, or one particular landscape or one particular wildlife shot doesn't help you because it doesn't tell you why I use those settings. But, you know, the, and I think, you know, understanding that and, you know, seeing the different techniques and the different, uh, uh, I guess just the thought process that goes from the start of the image, you know, until you finally have it captured, uh, to me seems like something that would be valuable. And looking at the poll, that's the one everyone seems to want too. I think it's, but, a, it's, uh, a, it's a great one. I'd love to see it. It's kind of behind the scenes, behind the scenes, after yeah. the scenes, and during the scenes. So you walk me through what, right. you, what you were thinking, why you were thinking it. You'd, sh- you'd shoot it, maybe even do, you know, how you post-processed it and maybe how you would yeah. have done it different in, in the future. That sounds like a fun one. Right, yeah, that's probably going to be, there's probably not going to be a lot of post-processing except where it's strictly necessary, like, because uh, I don't want to get it too diluted there, because uh-huh. uh, it could get, that post-processing could get into uh, a yeah. whole other book. <laughs> sure. But, yeah, no, but, you know, like, there, there will mm-hmm. be some stuff in there, like, you know, this is how to focus, you know, I focus stack, so this is how I did the focus stack here. I did an exposure blend, and here's the process I typically use for exposure blending. So, the, you know, the, the, the information will be there is, you know, we'll have some of that in there, but. Uh, yeah, this is, it'll definitely focus on field techniques, but I feel like it's kind of like a, a virtual one-on-one workshop is the way I think I described it online. Uh, you know, so it's, you know, like you came to the scene with me and this is what I was thinking and this is what I would do. And this is, you know, how I would, how I would handle that particular scenario. Cause I think, you know, it's one thing to, to look at, uh, or to ask, say, Hey, what are the best bird and flight settings? But it's like every one of them is different. Maybe if you looked at 10 different scenarios here, you start to get a, you know, an idea of like, okay, now I understand why in this particular case he 
chose this these particular this particular lens and these particular settings with this camera versus why he chose this camera and this lens and these settings for this other bird in flight because they're both bird and flight shots but they're you know taken with different cameras different lenses and different techniques you know what why is that that's that's a question this book will answer well i look forward to it and we've been talking to you about your current book the secrets to nikon autofocus system i'll include links in it steve thanks for taking the time maybe we can get you out here oh, to thanks California. for having me get you out here to california and people can meet you in person that sounds fun that sounds fun steve thanks so much i'll send you some notes after and uh take care now all right thank you all right steve take care bye-bye all right have a good day you too bye-bye